Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. And welcome back to some of the Cooler Jets podcast where Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Well, Michael, week six, Jets at two and three, an opportunity to improve to 500 before the bye, but a big test this week against the Philadelphia Eagles when the schedule came out. I've been pretty consistent that I felt this was their toughest game just based on the matchup. The Eagles are tremendous in the trenches. They have a great offensive line that has the ability to shut down this Jets four-man pass rush. They have an awesome defensive line that can capitalize on a young quarterback who's a little slow to get through progressions, especially considering the Jets are down their best offensive lineman after ABT's injury. So this is a tough matchup, but as we've seen in weeks one and weeks four, the Jets can play with anybody. The Jets shut down two superstar quarterbacks. There's no reason they can't do that to the Eagles. And perhaps, Michael, they could they could spurn the upset. I mean, I said it last week, but that Pats game is an infuriating loss because it's a game they should have won. And the way you can make up for that is win a game you should lose, and that is certainly the case this Sunday. So, Michael, it's a lot easier doing these pods on a week after a Jets win. It doesn't feel like every game is a must win, but this would be a big, big win if the Jets were able to, to steal it at home. Yeah, I mean, to be able to go into the bye week at three and three on a two game winning streak coming off, like you said, winning a game that you're not supposed to win. I mean, the vibes would be high. The hype would be high. It'd be crazy, especially because coming out of the bye, it feels like you have some winnable games there, Um, you know, which also gives you that buffer to where even if they lose this game, you know, two and four is never ideal, but it's a long season. And with the way the schedule looks after the bye week, you could you could see the Jets bouncing back and. As long as they give it a competitive effort this week, especially play well offensively, Zach Wilson plays well, you could still manage after the bye if they lose this game. But, man, what a huge opportunity it is if they can win this game. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I think we're not expecting the Jets to win this game. I won't go as far as per, to predict a Jets win, but we know that the Jets can play with anybody. The, the real question comes down to the quarterback battle, in my opinion. And if you remember – when Zach Wilson played the Eagles, granted a much different team, his rookie year, I felt that was one of his best games. We, we rewatched it just for fun. Um, not that it matters too much, but the one thing that really stood out rewatching that game was the time of possession and how big of a factor that was in the game. Uh, the Jets had a great first half. It was competitive and close to the Eagles. I think Zach Wilson, I mean, Barrios had a big return to open up the game. Zach Wilson had, I think, three first touchdowns. And then they get to the second half and they had like two possessions, three possessions. The Eagles just ate up all the clock uh, going at, at the end of the first half. And then the start of this, the third quarter, they had the ball up until like the six minutes 
six minute mark in the third quarter. Um, they forced three and out and then they had the ball the way until the fourth quarter. So they did a good job of just keeping the jets off the field and then just wearing down this jets defense. And I think that's a big key for this Sunday uh, is going to be that time of possession battle. The jets can't be going three and out and get it forcing the defense back on the field uh, constantly and wearing them out. And we know the Eagles are going to take advantage of a lot of the things that we've seen this jets defense be vulnerable to. We saw it at the first half of, of last week's games, those trap runs, those draws, those screens, QB runs, the Eagles are definitely a tough matchup, so we're going to break it all down, go into the, the nitty-gritty and break down some matchups. But, Michael, before we get to the Eagles, I want to give you one more chance to talk about the Broncos game. We did our post-game pod after already seeing the All-22, so I, I think this will be a shorter segment than it usually is on our pregame pods. But a few days to kind of digest the Broncos' victory. Is there anything else that stands out to you uh, from that win before we hop into Eagles talk? Well, one thing that kind of stood out to me when I was looking back at this game a little bit earlier today is how consistent the offense was at moving the ball, which we we all kind of got that from watching the game. But when you really look back and process how, how it all played out in the end, you look at the Jets' log of drives here, and first four drives of the game didn't go too well. They had zero yards the first four drives, but after that, they had seven drives in a row where they got at least 40 yards and they scored on five of those. Obviously they, they had the one where they should have scored and they didn't with the end of half drive in the first half. Then there was the interception later, um, but they scored on five of those and they got at least 40 yards on seven drives in a row. And I haven't looked back on the history of this, but I'm willing to bet it's been a long time since the jets have done that. So they moved the ball really well. They put themselves in position to score a lot more points than they did. They end up with only 24 on offense, but a few plays here or there could have been a lot more. And granted, it was a, a bad Broncos defense, much different talent level coming into the building this week. But at the same time, it's still a big step forward for the Jets. A Zach Wilson-led Jets offense that is has now in back-to-back games built some really good momentum here as they go into this last pre-buy game against a defense that has a lot of talent. But as we'll talk about, they're, they've shown some vulnerabilities this season that we didn't see from them last year. Yeah, I think one of the things we didn't talk about too much um, was the offensive line and specifically the second half offensive line. We got in the middle of last uh, on Monday's podcast, we got interrupted with the ABT tour and Achilles news and that kind of took the wind out of our sails. But I realized we didn't give the the other four offensive linemen enough credit or I guess five if you count Max Mitchell. What did you kind of make of their performance? And correct me if I'm wrong, I think this was Becton's best game since returning from injury. Yeah, Beckton played really well. This was I, I would agree with that. I would think his consistency in both phases was really good, especially in the run game. He had a huge part in so many of those successful Brees runs, a lot of really good push in that left side, especially when him and Lakin had those combo blocks going. They created a lot of vertical movement. Lakin just um, needs a big bulldozer at left tackle next to him, and then he's a, a good player apparently. Yeah, I mean – we are calling him a Trent Williams merchant. Maybe he's a Mackay Becton mer- merchant now. So Perhaps. just profiting off of Mackay Becton. So, but if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. And it's good to see Lakin playing more competently recently. Um, but I thought Max Mitchell came in and played pretty well. Again, granted Denver defense, probably the worst defensive line in the league. No yeah. one really intimidating that he was going against. Certainly no Hassan Reddick, Josh Sweat, Brandon Graham out there. But um, he looked good. He did. There were a few reps where I saw him, you know, use his athleticism, push the rusher up the arc, pass the quarterback. I think he only got hit with one pressure allowed. So it, it was a good start, but different competition coming up. Um, 
and he's got to be ready for it. But it, it was promising the way he was able to come in. And really, the rest of the line is gelling so so well recently. And it's a bummer that AVT is not going to be a part of that going forward anymore. But they got Tippman in there, who looks like an absolute stud at guard. We talked about Becton and Lakin. They're kind of getting it going. And Connor McGovern's been a little bit better, too. So hopefully they can still be a solid unit. What about Mitchell? AVT. It all, all comes down to Mitchell. And, uh, you know, if he's able to – and we'll see if they even go with that combination. I think they will, but, yeah. you know, maybe Billy Turner's the guy they go with. But I think they're going to bet on the guy they drafted and hope that he can show some development this year. Yeah, what did you make of his second-half performance? Obviously, his – he had a, a big block on Brees' touchdown run. Other than that, you know, I felt like he – what we kind of saw from Mitchell in preseason was a guy who's competent against the pass but had some real big woes. Uh, when it came to run blocking, it's kind of funny that he had his best rep um, on the ground. What do you kind of make of, of Mitchell as a player through what we've seen through through two years? What are his strengths and, and weaknesses? Well, I think it starts with athleticism. And I know he actually didn't have the greatest athletic testing. So it's not really backed up by the RAS score or anything like that. But I think when you watch him, especially in pass protection, you do see some fluidity in his pass sets, some quickness as he comes off the line, especially – like I said, in this game, there were a few reps where he was able to, you know, the edge rusher goes with a speed rush, tries to win outside. He's able to match him, push him up the arc, pass the quarterback. I think that's what I like the most about him. But the biggest weakness is definitely his oh, his overall strength, especially how it shows up in the run game. Yeah. And in and, and this game, you, you did still see it a little bit. There were a couple of reps where he got tossed around. And it's kind of an issue as an offensive lineman when you have – you know, when defensive linemen can toss you around as easily as he does. Uh, so I'm, I'm still concerned about that being an issue. We know the offseason he had some unfortunate health issues, which, you know, probably or may have gotten in the way of him being able to add that weight and strength. Uh, he's had a lot of time since then to work on it. But uh, so I'm still concerned about that. But there there are athletic tools there that I think fit pretty well in this scheme. And, and we saw it in, in the run game, like with the block he had on – Breeze's touchdown where he climbed up to the second level and played a big part in that. So I, I like the athleticism in his game. Yeah, the big question is going to be if he really struggles, Dwayne Brown should be off of IR during the bye week. Would they consider moving Becton back to right tackle and inserting Brown back into the lineup? I wouldn't play with it. I think Becton seems more comfortable at left tackle. But again, he was solid at right tackle as well. You can pair him up with Tittman on that right side. But Brown was so bad those Really, just that Dallas game, he was horrific. I mean, you got a lot of criticism for the Bills game because of Rodgers' injury, but I felt he settled into that game all right. It's just that Dallas game was so horrific, and he looked like looked like a 40-year-old guy past his prime who just shouldn't be out there. We'll see if taking some time off, healing his injury helps him at all. But if Mitchell really struggles, that is the move that they could make to try to get an attempt to get their best five out there. Um, so obviously Mitchell's a guy to, to keep their eye on. Um, for this week. I'm just trying to think of some other things from that Broncos game before it happened to the Eagles. I guess the one other thing was the red zone play calling, I think deserved some criticism because they weren't as aggressive in yeah. that area of the field. And granted a different matchup than they're going to face this weekend. They're going up against a team that they felt they were much better than a team. They could run the ball against a team. They were really confident in their defense stopping. And then they got into that position in the second half where it's like, you know, we would just want to get this to the point where our defense can win the game. And so they were settling for three, a lot running the ball, um, and some of those three points probably could have been touchdowns if they were more aggressive, especially passing on first down. I want to pull up the exact number, but I saw some chart 
that was a uh, quarterback efficiency on play actions. And I think, I think Will, Zach Wilson was like the third best quarterback on, in play action so far. Um, so I, I might have that, uh, I might be on like first down or something. I want to pull it up, but um, definitely the, the play action on first down uh, is going to have to be part of the game plan. Like we saw against Kansas city, because the Seagulls offense and defense is just light years beyond Denver. And they can't have that, that same conservative approach. So Hackett, a guy who, did a lot of the red zone game planning in Green Bay. That was kind of his forte. Even in Denver, they were pretty solid in the in the red zone, even if they they struggled uh, to you know overall as an offense. So, what do you make of of the red zone calling last week, and then how do you kind of want to see them them change it this week? Yeah, definitely. Like we talked about, a lot of over conservative play calls in the red zone, and the run game was working really well, so you understood it. But at the same time there were definitely opportunities to switch it up and maximize the success of that run game by switching to the pass and using the respect of the run game against the defense because they were running it so well, there were definitely going to be good opportunities to take some shot plays on the edge of the red zone around the 10 yard line. So they don't have to you know, run a four red zone plays in a row inside the 10 to get a touchdown, like get a 20 yard touchdown, get a 30 yard touchdown. So you don't have to, pound it all the way in, have success play after success play to score a touchdown. It doesn't always have to take that long to score, especially when you do have a, a good run game to draw the defense in. So I would have liked to see more than that. And as we'll talk about, I think that's going to be a huge factor this week. Are the Jets going to make that switch and be more aggressive on first down, trusting Zach Wilson to throw the ball? It's going to be a huge key this week. No, I, d- I definitely think they will. I mean, I guess we can just kind of hop into to the Eagles prep. And if there's anything else from this Denver game, we'll, we'll be, make, be sure to mention it. Uh, the key with this, this Eagles game is going to be the thing that's stumped them the first five games of the season, the slow starts. I mean, they, they can't, the Eagles aren't a team that you can get behind early against because they're a team that has such a good offensive line that they can run the ball. They can hold on to that ball and, and play ball control football. When you play a team like the chiefs, they're almost at their their most dangerous when they're behind and they have to play aggressively and they're throwing downfield every play because Mahomes and Kelsey and that passing offense is so good. And the Eagles, the Eagles have a great passing offense as well, but they have the offensive line and the personnel to just be able to hold the ball for 10 minutes on a drive and run the football. So if the Jets have a bad first quarter, their defense puts them in a the hole, they're down 10. Have they been down 10 nothing and pretty much every game? I don't know if Denver, they were down 10 nothing, but yeah, they're down they, double digits each of the first four games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they can't do that against the Eagles. That's just simple. I mean, I think, like you said, they have to be more aggressive on offense and attack this Eagles secondary, which I think has fallen off a little bit. Um, but this front four for the Eagles is terrific. Uh, they should win this matchup in, on both sides of the trenches, in my opinion. Uh, so I don't know where you want to start with first here, trying to, to rein us in, get a little organized. I guess let's start with the Jets offense. I think that's... Great place to start. And why not start with Zach Wilson, who has had pretty good back-to-back games. I mean, his game against the Chiefs was awesome. Nice nice background for those you can see on video. And then a, a game that Zach was – Zach Wilson from his press conference. If very – If you can't see it. Yes. And a game against Denver that was very 2010 Sanchez, as we said. I mean, terrific play fakes, made a couple of, of key throws and key spots. But other than that, managing the game, that's – I don't know if they can win with that version against him. I mean, I, I, I guess they, they kind of won with that version of Zach against the Bills last year, a team that was much better than them. But I I, I see that if the Jets are going to beat the Eagles, we kind of have to get the Zach Wilson that we saw against Kansas City, an aggressive throwing on first down, 
get Zach cooking early, get him, get his momentum going, get him feeling good. And this might be a game where Zach throws the ball 35 times. Do you agree with me or is this, do you kind of feel the opposite where it's like, Hey, the Jets try to control the ball themselves and run the football and, you know, don't give Zach Wilson a chance to turn it over. How do you kind of see game planning for uh, this Philadelphia defense? Yes, I, I completely agree. This has to be a game where the Jets are aggressive throwing the ball. They trust Zach Wilson to throw him first down because it, it perfectly aligns with the way this Eagles defense is currently made up because the Eagles defense this year has not been what it was last year. And it mostly comes down to the pass defense, specifically in coverage, because the pass rush is still really good. They got plenty of weapons there. Jalen Carter has been amazing. Son Reddick, Josh Sweat, they're still good. Still Fletcher Cox, still uh, Brandon Graham. Great pass rush. They're fourth in quarterback hits per game, but the sacks are down. It's down. They're down to 19th in sack rate after leading the league last year. And the reason for that is their coverage has been much worse this year across the board. They're 25th in passing yards per game allowed, only 23rd in interceptions per game. They only have two of those. And they're 24th in opposing quarterback rating. So the coverage has been down. Darius Slay is having a down year. He's 32 at this point, so he might be hitting the wall. And, and he hasn't practiced, so you're either getting a banged-up, declining Darius Slay or his backup. Um, and then they've also had terrible coverage against tight ends. They're allowing the highest passer rating on targets to tight ends in the league. So there are a lot of holes in this back end for Philly. But one thing they do still do really well, in addition to the pass rush, is stop the run. They're allowing the fewest rushing yards per game in the league this year, fourth fewest yards per carry. So they're a very hard team to run on. They have a great pass rush. So how do you beat that? You throw on first down. You get ahead of the chains. You get ahead of the chains. You demand some respect through your passing game. Then you back them off a little bit, and then you could start to have that balanced offense. And I looked at what the commanders did a couple weeks ago against the Eagles. They lost the game in overtime, but they scored 31 points. It's the most the Eagles have given up this year. Um, and, and that's what the Sam Howell-led team in Philly. The Jets are at home for this game. Um, but they had that similar trajectory. They couldn't run the ball in the first half. They were getting stuffed, but they threw the ball early and often. They had a really efficient passing first half. They threw it 17 times. Sam Howell had a, around 100, 160 yards. Um, and then second half, they came out, they ran the ball a lot better. And they ultimately had a really good game offensively throughout all four quarters, consistent, staying with the Eagles. Defense didn't hold up their end of the bargain, but offensively, they did a really good job because they trusted their quarterback to throw the ball early and often in the game. And then the run game got better as the game went on because of that. And right. you look at the Eagles' run defense between the first and the second half this season, it backs up that narrative to the point where it's not just like a hypothetical thing. We've actually seen that happen. So in the first half this season, the Eagles are allowing the only 2.7 yards per carry, which is the fewest in the league. But second half, you can run the ball on them. Even as the number one run defense, second half, they're allowing 4.3 yards per carry. That's 25th. So in the first half, if you air it out, take advantage of those holes they have in coverage, trust your quarterback to throw them first down. You can back them off, soften them up. They're going to drop some guys out to fill some of those holes in coverage. Then you can run the ball on them in the second half. And that's how you have a, Solid four quarters of offense against them. But the Jets can't do what they did against the Broncos. If they try to go run, run, pass like they did against the Broncos, like run with Brees. I mean, they even had that one drive. They ran it like 10 times out yeah. of the 11 plays. Hey, it worked. They got Not down gonna... there. It worked. But remember, Broncos, <laughs> Broncos Eagles. Yeah. It was going to work. Definitely going to work against Denver, who I believe is the worst run defense right now. But Philly's number one. 
and it's specifically in the first half early in the game where they really shut shut teams down on the ground. So come out early, throw them first down. Even if it's, you know, first drive of the game, I would love to see pass, 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 like truly make it a message to the Eagles. We're going to throw this football, and we are going to do it efficiently. We're going to attack Darius Slay. We're not scared of him. We're going to make plays against him. We're going to exploit your linebackers and your safeties and coverage with Tyler Conklin, who last week had a great game when they featured him and allowed him to run key routes, whether it was the stick nod, whether it was the rocker step on the inbreaker that he had. They can do that against this Eagles team because they have some of the worst. They lost all their top two safeties and their top two linebackers from last season in terms of snaps, and that is definitely shown because, like I said, they're allowing the highest passer rating in the league on targets to tight ends. So you can scorch them with tight ends. I think that should be key in this yeah. game. Feature Tyler Conklin. So that's the key in this game. Come out aggressive. We're going to throw the ball. We're going to attack your weaknesses and coverage. We're not going to get into third and long and let your pass rush tee off on us. That's the last thing you want to do. Um, Cause you know, if you can pass on first down, use play action, run is still a threat. Pass rush can't come after you as much as you can, as they can. If you got to third and long, now they could just pin their ears back and right. go. And if you get to that situation, the Eagles are going to tee off. So early and often first down passing is the goal. Yeah. I uh, totally agree with you on that. Uh, the other thing, and you didn't really mention it, but kind of coupled with, with the weaknesses in the Eagles defense, given that they've lost their top linebackers and safeties, I'd like to see Brees get involved a little bit more in the in the passing game. Like I know we've seen them throw yeah, a few screens point. and stuff to him, but I'd like to see him flexed out as a receiver. I mean, that's something he did at Iowa State, and one of the things that we talked about when he was a rookie that he could do really well. And we haven't really seen it too much. And it's interesting because when the Jets brought in Dalvin Cook, that I mean, Cook has been terrible, and I think this might work better with a Banacander or Carter. But one of the things we talked about was getting more of those sets where Cook and Brees are on the field at the same time, and you can flex Brees out. They've done the little dump offs, the swing passes, the screen passes, but I, you know, I'd like some plays where you flex Brees out wide and then get the ball in his hands. Um, because once he gets a bit of a head, you know, I understand why they like the swing passes more because he gets ahead of steam. He's really hard to bring down, but people kind of forget the type of route runner that he is. Not saying that he's Le'Veon Bell running out, out wide, who was one of the better route running running backs that, that I've seen. Uh, but he's certainly, uh, has more receiving chops than I think we've seen so far. And I, I think in this matchup, the Eagles are so good against the run. I think it's going to be hard to run it against them, especially in the first half. You got to find ways to get your best players involved. And I would say Garrett's number one, but Brees is probably number two in this, definitely number two in this offense. And so they got to get more creative in terms of how to get him the ball if they can't run the football. How do you anticipate the Eagles coming out in this game and the looks that they might give Zach Wilson? Because we've seen a lot of teams stack the box, play a lot of cover one. You know, the Eagles do play a good bit of cover one. They're about 28%, so which is eighth in the NFL. Um, but like most teams, they play a lot of zone about 70% of the time. Uh, how do you anticipate the Eagles playing this? Do they do they play a lot of too high, take away the big plays, and force the Jets to – force Zach Wilson really to go underneath and pick apart this defense? Do they load the box, play the run, and force Zach Wilson to beat him over the top? How do you kind of envision the Eagles playing Zach Wilson in this offense just based on how they played the, the last two weeks? It'll be interesting now because I think Zach has put two straight games of tape out there now where, you know, he wasn't necessarily amazing, but he showed baseline competency to the point where, you know, maybe he doesn't get extreme disrespect. And you're also looking at this Brees Hall rushing attack now where, you know, I, I mean, that does play into where you would disrespect the quarterback by stacking the box when you're talking about Brees Hall's success. But at the same time, you know, he's had back-to-back -back games now where he's completed 
over 70% of his passes. He's been really solid on first down. So teams have to respect that, even though the Jets haven't done it a lot. He's been efficient when they have thrown on first down. Uh, so, and especially he's done a good job scrambling this season. I think better than the past couple seasons. He's been more willing to see man coverage, see a lane open up in the de- in the defensive line and uh, and take that for some yards. So I think those things, the recent success, the scrambling could maybe discourage some of the man coverage, the disrespectful play we've seen against Zach Wilson earlier this season and throughout his career. Uh, but at the same time, it's, it's still Zach Wilson and he still has to prove for more than one or two games that he's a legitimately improved different quarterback. And if you're going to bet on anything, I think you still want to bet on forcing him to beat you until he proves that he can. So I feel like they're going to lean towards that direction a little bit more, but, but we'll see, you know, the Eagles aren't a a huge blitzing team. They have a great defensive line. They don't need to blitz to create pressure and their defensive line is so good against the run that they also don't have to be overly aggressive to stop that either. So I think you could see some creativity in that way to where, you know, they don't get overly aggressive and they try to just win with four, especially with Elijah Vera Tucker being out create pressure that way and try to create some traffic on the back end. So, so I could see either one. I mean, I mean, what do you think? Do you think it'll be more of like a, the way that the Pats usually play on like kind of that over aggression, sack the box, or you think we could yes. see maybe Zach at this point, you think so? I think they're going to get a lot of blitzes. I mean, especially yeah. early. I think, I think the thing with Zach is he, how many games has he really come out and had a fast start? I mean, I guess the Eagles is rookie year. Right. He kind of had a fast start. That's true. Uh, but seriously, when, when, is that the only opening drive touchdown of his career? Uh, the Bucks game, he had an opening drive touchdown. But um, think about it. I mean, hard to think. I think De- definitely not even the last two games the where he played well. Like, didn't start well against the Chiefs. That was seventeen nothing. No. Like I said, this Broncos game, zero yards in the first four drives. So yeah, that's a good point. So I think so to he, come out, yeah, you still want to play that way. He's a guy that needs to kind of settle into the game, get his confidence going. It's a key word around here. Um, just get comfortable. And then uh, he starts to loosen up a little bit. Um, but early in games, he's been, hasn't been good throughout his entire career. And so I think, yeah, definitely stack the box, make it clear to the Jets. You're not going to be able to run the football. Um, and I think you're going to see a lot of blitzes uh, and attacking, you know, especially the right side of that offensive line with a rookie and Joe Tipman, who has been good, but still a rookie and Max Mitchell, who's basically a rookie and, you know, attacking that weakness as soon as AVT is, is now for the season. I think that is really what you're going to see early. A lot of cover one, cover zero, blitzes, a lot of guys to the line trying to confuse them. And then maybe you'll see them drop back into, I know you you know, you know, shared kind of their, their coverage statistics here in our, in our preview doc, and they play cover six 21% of the time, which is third in the league. I could see them definitely getting a little bit exotic in, in their looks. You know, come out early, stack the box, cover one, blitz them. Um, but then as the second quarter, you know, maybe you line up a bunch of guys at the line of scrimmage, then you – drop him back into coverage, get a little exotic. And you saw him get flushed against the Patriots with those types of looks where they had rotating safeties and just for the pre-snap and the post-snap doesn't match up. Cause anytime you can make Zach have to think for that extra second, you give your rush and this dominant defensive line a chance to get home and you get him second guessing himself and he's proven that his career, he'll make a mistake. I think when the pre-snap aligns with what Zach Wilson sees post-snap, He's been very good. I mean, there's all the statistics every game he plays where it's like Zach Wilson when he gets rid of the ball in under two and a half seconds versus over. And it's always like he's always like eight of ten, a touchdown, 50, whatever, before two and a half seconds. But anytime they make him, you know, hitch, get out of the timing and the rhythm of the offense, he hasn't been 
a very good improvising quarterback. And so I think that's kind of the key with Zach Wilson. Blitz him early and then get complicated as the game goes on. Um, but I, I do, again, don't want to be the eternal optimist on this podcast. But I do feel good about Zach in this matchup. I think this is the third week in a row that you're going to see Zach play with some more confidence. People do forget this is a new offense and not just Zach, but for any quarterback, I think learning a new offense and getting that chemistry with the receivers, especially considering you weren't working with the first team offense the entire summer. Um, it takes time. Uh, this is a new offense for him. He seems to get more comfortable. I mean, Hackett's been very complimentary of the strides that he's taken. I mean, obviously you saw against the chiefs, he had uh, the play to Ruckett where he changed the protection, got Conklin in to, to face the six man rush and throw the change the play to a slot fade and hits Rucker perfectly. The play to Conklin against Denver that went for like 50 yards uh, was checked at the line by Zach Wilson. So you're seeing him kind of become more of a veteran quarterback, change protections, change plays at the line. And I think it's getting more comfortable. The Jets are going to have to be aggressive. If they can get any sort of momentum early, I feel very good about Zach Wilson. The only thing that kind of worries me about this game is I don't know if this – I think this has a potential to be kind of like Dallas where the defense does kind of struggle. The Jets got to get down early. And if if the offense can't get it going in the first quarter, this does have potential to turn ugly um, against a team the Jets have never beaten. How confident are you about, about Zach Wilson in this this game? Because obviously, I mean, like most Jets fans, you you were out on Zach Wilson. I don't blame you at all. This He yeah. definitely wasn't supposed to be the quarterback of the team this year. Um, but – He's shown legitimate improvement, especially the last two weeks, but really the whole season, the season as a whole. I mean, you could see that improvement against Dallas. It just didn't translate into anything in the box score. And then Pat's game, he was pretty timid. Last two games, a lot more improvement. So where do you kind of stand on Zach, and, and what's your confidence level heading into a you know a game against the defending NFC champs? I, I also feel weirdly good about this game because, <laughs> I mean, just breaking down the Eagles' defense, like it's not the defense – of last year it's not the defense that you think it is looking at the names on paper it they really have struggled against the past and they haven't even played great quarterbacks this year i mean mac jones and his patriots team they were able to put up 306 passing yards on the eagles they played baker mayfield they, they did shut him down but sam howell had a big game against them they haven't even played the toughest schedule and they still let up some pretty decent numbers and and a lot of these games the Eagles had an early lead and they let a team back into it. So, I'm I'm much more worried about the Jets defense against this offense yeah. than I am about the other side, which, which is very weird to say and I don't think I thought we'd be saying this 2 weeks ago, but I I like what Zach Wilson's shown these last two games and I do have faith based on that that as long as the Jets come out aggressive and trust him to throw the ball in first down, especially using play action, that he can hit the throws he needs to hit to get the Jets in a good rhythm and establish some balance on offense. So they could both pass and run the ball effectively. But it, it all comes down to that. If Hackett's going to lean too much into what happened last week, like Brees Hall's a god now. He's our guy. We're going to go run, <laughs> run, pass every time. Like, I, I love football. Brees Hall, but like, let's, let's, be, let's understand who we're facing. You know, you could do that against the Broncos. Like we knew that was a great running matchup. We broke that down going into that game that Brees against those second level defenders was going to be a mismatch. And look what happened. It was, we knew that was going to work in this game. It doesn't look like that's going to work. This Eagles run defense is really, really good, especially at the start of game. So stay away from that. Trust your quarterback to go cook. Like he has these past couple games when they've given him chances 
to to really unleash that arm and let it rock from there. If he throws some picks, he throws some picks. You have to be able to be you have to be able to live with that risk. You know, shoot for the stars. If it doesn't go your way, it doesn't go your way. But you're not going to beat this team by trying to grind it out with them, I don't think. Yeah, not to hit every single football cliche, but they have to stay out of those those third and longs. I mean, I think that's really crucial for this this offense. You've seen how much better Zach Wilson is at, at third down when they keep it to like third or six, third and six or less. And like we said with that that game as rookie year, the time of possession was such a huge factor. And part of that is you can't go three and out. You got to get some first downs. And so staying ahead of the chains, but doing that through the air, I think is their best bet because I think the conventional wisdom of staying ahead of the changes. Okay, run the ball. Now it's second and seven. You run the ball again. Now we got third and four. But against this Eagles defensive line, especially with an unproven Jets front offensive line, that's more like a second and nine and then a third and eight. And then you're in third and long. The Eagles can can rush the passer. Remember, Zach Wilson said it ahead of last game. Remember, he said, screw it. Let's get some first downs on first down. You know, he's like, screw the third downs. Let's get some. And they didn't do that in this game, really. I mean, mean, they did the run game. They got some first downs but they they didn't really keep that first down passing going but this is a perfect week to get back to it yeah and i think it's also the perfect week to empty the bag i think this i've been saying this is their toughest matchup on paper so bring out the trick plays bring out the the end arounds to gibson the little non-quarterback passes i mean anything to kind of spark some momentum for this offense the defense clearly feeds off of it when the offense is able to do anything um you see how this defense comes out after a jets touchdown or a jets big play just when they see signs of life in this offense they play differently and so you know i think reaching the bag hack it this is this is the time and then in the red zone you, they can't be afraid to to turn the ball over i mean as much as you want to take control care of the football and field goals are better than interceptions it's like i don't know if you're beating this eagles team settling for three in the red zone and not capitalizing on any opportunities that they create uh what are some matchups that stand out to you on the uh jets offense versus this this eagles defense there's a few that we've written down here Honestly, the entire offensive line versus the entire defensive line is one. But what are some some matchups that you're kind of keeping an eye on and can swing this game in favor of the Jets? Well, the first one I'm looking at is easily Tyler Conklin against these Eagles linebackers and safeties. Uh, like I said, the Eagles had a huge overhaul with their linebackers and safeties, and it's resulted in a, a huge overturn with how well they've been defending tight ends this year. They're, they're really good at it last year, but this year – Teams haven't thrown to tight ends a lot against them, only 29 targets, but 24 completed, 254 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. So you put all that together, 137.6 passer rating, targeting tight ends against the Eagles. That's the highest nice. in the league. So Jets have to exploit that, especially, I mean, Tyler Conklin now, this is, Denver game is really good, but this is kind of a four-game run now he's been on where he's been really productive. If you look at his last four games. Four for uh, four for sixty-seven, four for fifty-eight, three for twenty-six, five for fifty. So he's been playing really well, and I think he could build on that and be even better. The most targets he's gotten this year is six. I would like to see eight to ten targets in this game. I think there's really a chance for him to do a lot of damage against these linebackers and safeties. And to pick someone out specifically, Zach Cunningham, the Eagles' starting linebacker. Um, he's given up. This is according to NFL Next Gen stats, the highest total. EPA on targets against tight ends this year as the nearest defender of any defender in the league, regardless of position. So, you know, putting, putting that in simple terms, it means teams are having a ton of success targeting tight ends against him. So uh, there's a lot of opportunities for Conklin to do damage in this game. Even, even their safeties are up there. 
in that same stat, Reed uh, Blankenship, he's at six most EPA allowed to tight ends. Justin Evans, who's who's on the injury report right now, but um, he's their other starting safety. He's ninth worst. So three Eagles in the top ten in terms of worst coverage against tight ends this year. Um, a lot of opportunities for Conklin to do damage. So that's the number one that I'm looking at. Um, what about for you? Which matchups are you going to be focusing on the most outside of Zach Wilson and you know this guy behind me on the background? Everyone's going to be talking about him, but what are you fixating on? Max Mitchell. Definitely Max Mitchell. I don't yes. know exactly if he's going to go up against Brandon Graham. We'll get some Josh Sweat in there, some Derek Barnett, but uh, Jalen Carter on those stunts too. The Eagles run their stunts, and Mitchell's definitely the guy that I'll keep an eye out for. I mean, the entire game will be watching him because if if they can get – I'll settle for average. If they can get average offensive tackle play out of, out of Max Mitchell, that's withholding any sort of optimism that he could develop into somebody that you'd like long-term – I feel good about this Jets offensive line. I mean, I, the, the shame about the AVT injury is that they had played so well the last few weeks that Zach Wilson finally started to develop some confidence in the unit, and he was not taking his eyes off off the coverage and looking at the rush and getting sacked within one second. I mean, he actually started to develop a, a bit of trust with this unit, and that's we saw him you know, get time to go through his progressions and have some success, and this is obviously one of the main factors uh, of his success at BYU is – that he had time to develop and read the, the, you know, read the progress, go through his progressions and read the coverage and not feel like he had to keep his eye on the pass rush. If Max Mitchell is a bit of a turnstile this Sunday, I get worried. And then I think about during the bye, do they make that switch to Dwayne Brown back to left tackle, back to back, back to right tackle. That's a conversation for a different day, but Mitchell is, is the main match, but I guess I'll say against Brandon Graham. I mean, who out of these edge rushers for the Eagles worries you the most? I mean, Graham's the most notable, but he's obviously a little older. The interior is really the strength. I mean, with with Cox and Davis and Jalen Carter, I mean, the, the interior defensive lineman is really the strength of this D-line. But between these pass rushers, Sweat, Graham, Barnett, I mean, who do you think poses the biggest threat to a guy like Max Mitchell? Uh, well, I was just looking at the pass rush snaps to see who lines up on that left side for them. So who's going to face Max Mitchell the most? Um, Graham and Reddick are the top guys. Oh, Reddick plays the most. And then How did I, I didn't even mention that. I kind of played that, you know. <laughs> situational role this year so uh yeah they got a lot of weapons probably probably reddick i'd say is the scariest just because he's a really good sack artist yeah and, geez. you know he's he, he's a good athlete that can uh, i believe he played in that panthers game against zach wilson a couple years ago right and had yeah, a sack he did. in the yeah, game he wrecked him yes yeah so like he, he's, yes. a, he's a great athlete chase down artists in space that's the type of guy who could give zach wilson some trouble because if he tries to get cute extend plays Hassan Reddick can uh, hang with him and uh, hawk him down for some sacks and some fumbles because that's something Zach Wilson can be better at. He had two fumbles last week. Luckily, Jets recovered them, so we're not talking about them as much, but fumbles are fumbles. The ball bounced the Jets' way, but you know it decides to bounce a different way. Now we're talking about him being turnover prone and having a terrible game and a loss. So got to get the fumbles down, and I think Reddick is a guy who could, who could make those plays. He had five last year. Five force fumbles, none yet this year, but he's got three sacks, so he's just waiting yeah. to get that first. So I'd, I'd be very scared no, of that. I'll ask no, you this question: Redick. Who do you like to win one game? I think I think we both agree we'd rather see Mitchell try to develop and has the higher ceiling, but to win yes. one game, would you rather see Turner uh, or uh, Max Mitchell at right tackle? Who would you trust more? <laughs> that's, that's a tough <laughs> question. I guess Mitchell. I mean, we haven't really seen we've seen preseason reps. I'll go with Mitchell, but. Just probably just for the upside, honestly. Um, yeah, can't believe I forgot about Reddick. Can't forget 
that guy. I was like, I know I gotta be missing somebody because I'm listing off their edge rushers. Spill my water. Listing off their their edge rushers, and I'm like, you know, Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat. You know, this isn't too bad. I mean, the strength is the interior, and then you mentioned, oh yeah, they have Hassan Reddick, that guy who's one of the best pass rushers right. in, in football. They also drafted um, Nolan Smith as well, so they yeah. they have ample <laughs> pass rushing talent. Definitely got to keep an eye out for Reddick. They're obviously going to rush him a lot at, at Max Mitchell. That's definitely the biggest matchup that I'll be keeping an eye out for. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else with the offense. You know, I think because he's so good uh, that we sometimes we just don't talk about him because it's already like a foregone conclusion. There's what else is there to say? But Garrett Wilson, what do you make of the season that he's had so far and and his chemistry with Zach Wilson? Obviously, he's an animated guy, but he's clearly developed into to one of the leaders of this offense. The only reason I say animated is we've seen a few of those sideline interactions. Then we were re-watching the end of that first half, and you just see how angry he gets that the fact that the Jets can't get the snap off. I mean, it's obvious to say, oh, he's a big factor in this game. He's the Jets' number one receiver. They're going up against one of the better teams. They're going to have to throw the ball. Um, But to me, uh, sometimes we don't talk enough about Garrett Wilson and the impact that he can have on the game. How do you feel about his matchup again? I mean, we'll see if Slay plays. Same thing with Jalen Carter. Both of them didn't practice today recording this Thursday. Um, but whether he's going up against Slayer, whether he's going up against Bradbury, this is a good Eagles secondary, but one that, like you said, isn't the same, especially with the safety um, uh, overture from from last year. What do you kind of make of, of Garrett Wilson's prospects in this game? If he was on your fantasy team, are you starting him? Not that that's the end-all, be-all in terms of football analysis, but how do you feel about his his prospects in this game? It's been an interesting season for him. And, I mean, even at this point last year, he his numbers were pretty similar. He kind of had his breakout in the middle of the season, but it wasn't until Zach Wilson went out that he kind of started to put up numbers. Uh, in the games with Zach, he didn't play his best. Um, so still trying to get that chemistry down. There have been some near misses, like the one against the Chiefs, that deep shot. Um, there was the Cowboys play where Zach's arm got hit. That probably wouldn't have been a touchdown. And this week there is the play in the back left side of the end zone where Zach kind of – it was hard to really tell what he was going for, but either way, it was an open throw that was missed. So there, there have been a lot of near misses. They're really trying to find that connection and hit on these opportunities more often. But, um, but it yeah, seems like they're I getting think, close. It seems like they're getting close to the, the right, PA deep right. shots. Because that one against that's, them that's they had on Sunday yeah. was, was, was very close. I mean, it was open. That, that was close, too. That's another one I didn't mention. That was open. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think Garrett's still doing his thing in terms of separating like he was last year. I think we've seen the same guy there are some tough catches that maybe he could be making that he's not like the interception play i think is it's one of those tough catches where you know you know if you make that play it's a highlight play if not you don't kill the guy for it but it is an opportunity it's it's like it's like the touchdown he had week one right like it's one of those plays where yeah just like that where like you don't make that catch no one's gonna like crush you for it but you know as a superstar receiver you'd like to make some of those plays so um I mean, I, I think he still played pretty well, and they're just trying to get that connection down, and it's it's getting closer and closer. You could feel it that a breakout is breakout game is coming at some point. I would like to see the targets up, uh, just really emphasizing throwing to him more. And this was a point we were making in the Patriots game. Like there were are some instances where it's like, why is Zach Wilson not starting the read and Garrett Wilson's side yes. not emphasizing feeding him more? Um, and and then you get plays like the interception play against Denver, which you know. Turned out to be intercepted. Play wasn't made, but that was the right decision. And those right. are shots like that are what you want to be taking more often. Isn't always going to work, but you see your guy, your best guy, one on one. 
give him a chance to make plays. And, and that was against Patrick Sertan, who's a young guy in the prime of his career, one of the best players, best corners in the league right now. But Darius Slay is not that. He's had a very rough start to the season. I mean, the commanders got over 100 yards just on him alone. He gave up a touchdown in week one. He got cooked by Kendrick Bourne. So he, he's not the player he was last year. He's 32 years old. I don't think he can keep up Garrett Wilson. I would go after him when you get those matchups. And uh, just keep keep doing what you were doing with that interception play. You see one-on-one, give Garrett Wilson a chance. They're getting close. He's going to break out at some point. Yeah, Zach Wilson right now is pretty much a two-read quarterback is what I would say. I mean, there are times in his career he's really felt like a one-read quarterback where he, okay, gets to the line, he kind of predetermines who he wants to go to. Rookie year, he would throw it and sometimes get intercepted. And then we saw, we've saw we seen more hesitancy towards the second half of his rookie year and last year. Uh, this year, I think he's developed into getting, you know, speeding up that internal clock, going one, two, and then getting checked down or, or rushing. And you touched on a, an important point that has been that's a good way to put there. it. I mean, like that that Conklin play is a really good example of just like yes. one, two, and maybe not beyond that, but at least you're getting the one, two, right? Or the Conklin or the miss that he has to Conklin in the end zone uh, against right. Denver, yeah, which was you know Lazard's running basically to the pylon, a little out route. He's looking at him. That's his first read. He doesn't like the look, and then Garrett gets wide open on that drag. He hits him. I think he. I think it's a drop actually, um, but he does hit him in the hand. But if he was just able to look like, I mean, he's right over Garrett's shoulder. Conklin's wide open right. in the end zone. So he's, you know, he's not at that point yet. But as we've said, we just wanted to get that twenty to twenty fourth ranked quarterback play. And if if Zach Wilson is a two read quarterback who can then get to his checkdowns or have some scrambling upside, that is enough for the Jets to move the football in terms of simplifying things. So. That's how I kind of see him, but you touched on that point where it's infuriating the amount of times that Garrett Wilson isn't one of those two options. I mean, I don't yeah. know if that was a, a matchup thing with the Patriots because they love to take away your best your best weapon, and so he was really keying in on the tight ends and running backs, and we'll see. But like you said, Garrett Wilson is so good that he can overcome their best corner. He can overcome some double teams at time. He's a guy that always needs to be in every single read, every play. Um, so right now it's, you know, and I think this is another reason, and this is our last thing on the offense and we'll move to the defense. One of the other reasons that Cobb is playing over Hardman. Now I, I think I would be playing Hardman over Cobb simply. And you, you said this on, on our last podcast, how Hardman's speed is something that you have to prepare for, or at least game plan for. Like when he's on the field, it's not like, like Randall Cobb, where you can just kind of ignore him. You know, the ball's not going to him. And if it does, we're going to be able to tackle him. Hardman's speed is so next level that. You know, if you're in single high and you're going to leave Hardman one on one with the slot corner, he's probably going to win that matchup. And so that's the reason I would have Hardman out there. But the reason Cobb is playing is because so much of this offense is really when they go 11 personnel and it's not Gibson, it's, it's Cobb. He's really just doing all the dirty work clear out routes, pick routes, receiver blocking. And Lazard does a lot of that too. Um, so the offense is really only built to have two receivers getting that much action. And right now that's Wilson and Lazard. Uh, as the off, as Zach gets more comfortable in this offense, as Zach gets more comfortable this season, if they start to have success, I'd like to see it open it up a little bit more. This is the type of game where I think you could open it up and, and maybe all the noise about not getting Harbin involved. Maybe this is a game you could get him out in the field. How do you feel about that? I mean, the whole Harbin situation, we kind of talked about it on Monday's pod. I do think it's a little overblown for a guy who's getting paid 4 million and got, let's just be honest, passed up on the depth chart by an undrafted free agent. And also, Nobody anticipated Rodgers tearing his Achilles in the fourth play of, of the season. So I think that obviously changed the offense a lot. But he's gotten overshadowed by, by Gibson and Cobb. He's inactive on Sunday for special teams reasons. 
we'll see if he's inactive again this week or if he or if he plays or if he gets traded. Um, so how do you feel about the whole Hardman situation and potentially getting him involved in, in the passing attack this Sunday? Yeah, it, it, it's interesting because it feels like it's starting to trend towards that Elijah Moore point, that little boiling point where it's like, you know, things was, are starting to be said. It was the week, right? That Elijah was week I th- I think six, so. right? Yeah. yeah, it was Denver, yeah. I think so. You know, where you're hearing the trade rumors, you know, maybe the comments in the media are getting a little he, – he had the tweet that he put out. So we're, we're at that point. You know, we're taking it to social media now. So – uh, we'll, Although we'll he did say it's not it. about his current situation, it's like people he did, know. but like I don't know, interesting timing to if it's about something else. I would just say that, but he's launching um, his newest product. He's launching a new merge website. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, it, it's, um, it, I, a quick, quick thing about that: it, it's funny when players do that. Like, who's going to buy a you know merch for some random third wide well, receiver, third cornerback on a team? Hey, I don't know. Hey, what hey, 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 what if we sold podcast merch, Michael? People, people buy the merch. Oh, I don't think anyone would buy it. Who wants Cool Your Jets merch? Okay, that's said me and you. I've gotten a few texts about it. You know, do you, you have a oh. Cool Your Jets shirt? And by I, a few, I, I mean that, two people and both are my friends. So, you know, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I, I still I still think there's I'd a role a for him. Like, Sorry. I, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't. Maybe a jersey. But one jersey I have an, I Elijah, I have an Elijah Moore Jets shirt. It's a Dalvin Cook jersey. On, on on this subject. Oh, that's right. Sorry, if, I forgot. If you this, remember, this is... we made the preseason yes. bet on this podcast that if Dalvin Cook was averaging at least four and a half yards per carry at the bye week, I would get his jersey. One game to go now. He's at two point seven. And I ran <laughs> the math. I, I, I put out a tweet on it, but I deleted it because no one really interacted it with it. So yeah. whatever, I just took it down. But I did some math, that's and girl. look, if we got to you know, give him the benefit of the doubt and say he's got a chance to do it. He's going to have to put up some big numbers in this game. Like if he has five carries in this game, I believe it was 88 yards he has to get in order to push him up to four and a half for the season. So he's got a shot, but based on the way things are going, I'm not totally sold that's going to happen. So it's not looking like I'm going to own a Dalvin Cook jersey anytime soon. Yeah, unless he rips off like he gets one carry and it, what does that have to go for if it's one carry? One carry, I think, was 70. If he gets okay. one for 70, that's so if he has one carry, rips off a 70 yard run and gets yeah. injured, doesn't enter the game, you have to get a Dalvin Cook in, uh, jersey. Because if he gets one 70 yard character carry, he's definitely going to get another one. Um, all right, I like it. I like it. I still, I would love that's what I'm cheering for right now. Um, that would be hilarious. So maybe, maybe I should get you a Dalvin. It's either Dalvin Cook or CJ Uzama. I don't know which jersey I should get you yet. Um, <laughs> you should get a custom one that says, well, what was the abbreviation? One time you put it in an abbreviation. I didn't know what it was. It was like no, S- sneaky, terrible run S-B-R- blocker. S-T-R-B. S-T-R-B, sneaky, yes. terrible run yes, blocker. Exactly. And All right. I think Wiley, um, he was back on his sneaky bad run blocking this last game. I'm he telling you, really, he's a hack. He's guy going to touchdown. Kind of... he's, he's got great energy. He had a couple good blocking games, so people got off him a little bit, but I think he was back on it. Rucker is clearly the better player, game. but I just I don't see – Rucker's snaps were back down in this game, so I would like to get that back up, especially Which when you talk about Conklin's route running. Let Rucker run some routes against these guys. He can do it. And it's strange because last week was such a run-heavy approach. Ruckett is clearly an upgrade over Uzama, but I just don't see Uzama getting the bench. He's a veteran. He's Hackett likes him. The locker room likes him. Not, these things shouldn't matter, but I just 
for now. These they do, unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately, they do. Um, uh, let's talk about the defense. Because so, like like you, I feel... Oh, is there, Do we sorry, really address else? Hardman? We got really off topic there. Oh, I don't, I honestly, jump back I don't to remember. It. I'm just... All right, fine. Go go into it. All right, quick quick Hardman take. I still think there's a, a role for him. I'd rather see him in those Cobb roles, just having more of a speed threat. I know Cobb is a different skill set. Gibson's kind of fill, filling the Hardman role. And... You know, they're a little redundant if you're playing Hardman and Gibson, but it's not like Cobb is producing in the way he's supposed to. I know he's supposed to be the savvy route runner and all that, but I don't see the production to back it up. And he's not really open that often from what I've seen. There were some misses against the Patriots, but it's not like I'm watching him saying like, wow, this guy's constantly winning. He's just not getting thrown to. So I I still think they can get Hardman involved. It is curious to think about like, what. What happened to where they thought he should have zero role in the offense? Because I know, like you said, you know, a little overblown because it's not like he's the hugest contract in the world. Just one year, four million is not, you know. Dalvin not, Cook's not been getting paid seven million. Player in the offense, Dalvin Cook's getting paid double, and he's already down to like seventeen percent of the snaps. So I, I know it's not the biggest contract, but they they did have some sort of plan for him initially when they signed him, and now he's not used at all. So something happened uh, behind the scenes, whether it's just not a scheme fit, not grasping the playbook or whether it's Gibson's emergence. And I think that they, that made Hardman obsolete. Curious to see what, you know, to know what happened if we ever find that out. But, uh, and then I, again, I think the question is like, would you rather trade Hardman for a sixth, seventh round pick, whatever you get for him? Or like, do you value that over the depth he could provide or the rest of the season? Cause someone's going to get hurt or, you know, hopefully someone doesn't. But, you know, in the event that they do, you would you would like to have a McCole Hardman yeah. to bounce back on versus what other teams yeah, might especially have. Especially if it's Garrett, especially, especially if Garrett goes down and you don't have Hardman. Who's Phil? I mean, we, Jason Brownlee, Irvin Charles, like Hardman right now is their Garrett Wilson insurance. And he's been passed over in the slot uh, at the moment. But I still think he's valuable depth. Uh, you know, if they can turn him into some sort of compensation day three compensation and then doing him doing right by him and not just having him waste on the bench especially in a year where you already lost rogers i could get behind it i love the people who are like massive miss by the jets and it's like i would pay four million dollars for a six round draft pick if that's what they get you know what i mean like i would spend that that cap and just to get that extra draft pick because draft picks are so valuable and we've seen them turn into guys like michael carter the second who's one of the best nickel corners in, in all football right now so i think regardless I I don't I'm not going to criticize the signing because it was such a good deal for him. I think they could find a better way to utilize him on offense. I think they could phase Randall Cobb out. I do wonder if we're going to start to see that. But if they trade him and they're able to get some sort of compensation for him, I still think it's it's a win. It's just you know if do they trade him and then somebody goes down and now you have to play the second half of the season with Jason Brownlee out there. You know, I don't know. That doesn't sound uh, yeah. I, I'd keep him because well. you know what's definitely going to happen is they trade him for. A, you know, swap a, him in a seventh for a sixth round pick. And then the next week, a receiver gets hurt. And you're like, yep. man, I wish we had Hardman right now. Yep. So, I, I or, or yeah, or he'll end up in like Miami or something next year. And with his, they'll find a way to use oh, his Please speed don't let him go like, to the Dolphins. Like, you could just <laughs> yeah. totally picture him being amazing with the Dolphins. Yes, exactly. So, I, they have to find a role for him. But I don't, unless there's an injury or unless they phase out Cobb, it just doesn't exist. I Phasing out Cobb is the answer. But I just don't know if they're, if they're going to do that. But we'll see. Um, we'll get it. We'll predict the inactives at the end of this podcast. I got. I got to look it up real quick and see. But I, I think. I think Hardman might be active for this game. We'll see. The one thing that that is 
questionable is, is Hardy is on the, the injury report this week. And if he can't go, Irvin Charles will definitely be up. Then that creates some interesting conversations. And then I think Eccles is out too. So Irvin Charles is definitely going to be up too. So I don't know. Give me like 20 minutes to think about that. Michael, let's talk about the Jets defense because this is the matchup that we're more worried about than the, than the Jets offense in this game. Surprisingly, one of the first times the whole season. It's just because it feels like the Eagles do the things that just attack this Jets defense. And we've always said the weakness to this style of defense that the Jets plays play is if the offensive line that they're facing is better than the defensive line that the Jets have. And it's a very rare occasion that that happens that all five guys, normally there's at least one weakness that you you could attack, are better. You know, the Jets have an amazing defensive line. There are definitely some interesting battles. The Eagles do have an injury at guard. So who knows? But this is a terrific Eagles offensive line, and they just do things in their passing attack and in their rushing game that just feel like they'll exploit what the Jets do. And then on top of that, they have a superstar quarterback who's great on the ground. So worried about this matchup. The one thing I'll say why why are Eagles fans acting like Robert Sala's uh, eleven kisses comment was some sort of shade, like some sort of bulletin board material? Yeah, <laughs> I don't understand that at all. Like for anybody, I, I would imagine if you're listening to this podcast, you probably saw the quote. But uh, and they asked him, "How do you stop the Eagles' unstoppable tush push of a play quarterback sneak?" And he's like, "We got to give the quarterback eleven kisses. You know, got to get guys to hit the quarterback to to stop him." I, I think that was a fair answer. You're running the ball with your quarterback, and instead, Fletcher Cox and Eagles fans are acting like this is some sort of like comment about the Jets headhunting Jalen Hurts this Sunday. I don't I don't understand this. Are Eagles fans that sensitive? Yeah. I mean, like you said, you know some Eagles fans. It's 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 one of those fan bases where they got probably more to say than they should be saying. So well we'll see. We'll see. They've been, we'll they've been all right. They did just they go to, to the Super Bowl. After Monday. I mean they didn't win it though. Same number of Super Bowls as the Jets. That's true. Just saying. That's true, but they have never, the maybe, have never maybe beat the Jets the have never beaten the Eagles. But I'm, <laughs> yeah. I would just go look at what happened when James Morgan was out there a couple of years ago. Look yeah. at that, Eagles fans. They all forget. Think about they that when forget. you go to sleep. James Morgan just hit a Hail Mary on you, and he's not even in the league. How does that feel? <laughs> <laughs> I completely, I, I completely, actually, yeah, if you count preseason, the Jets have beaten the Eagles plenty of times. Exactly. Um, all right. No, but, no I agree with you. That That's so silly. Like, I don't, I don't really. He's not. He wasn't throwing a slide or anything. He was just giving an answer of how do you stop this play that they're really good at, and they took it personally. So, how how much do you think the Jets' defense will scheme for the Eagles specifically in terms of like having a QB spot at all? If the last few games are any indication, (laughs) (laughs) it is kind of based on the first halves we've seen. Like it feels like every first half, like when we're looking at the tweets and everything, we're like, this defense is never going to adjust. The same things always beat this defense. Then the end of the game comes, we're like, this defense is so talented. Great adjustments, <laughs> everyone. Yeah, the it's beginning, so we always talk about this defense. That's how overrated. people are talking during the game, and I'm included right. in that. Yes, you definitely are included in that, and you probably will see that again. Like the offense, a good start is, I mean, for every team in football, a good start is, is key, but this defense, I don't know if you can get off to a huge slow start against the Eagles. I mean, we'll see. Um, but like you said, it seems like the same things tend to beat this this team. I do anticipate a lot of zone coverage, a lot of quarters coverage. Take away the deep shots to Brown. You really make Hurts go underneath. I do think they should utilize a spy, though. You know, I like yes. uh, even if it's just one of your pass rushers, if you don't want to take away from coverage, like Hurts is too dangerous on the ground, and the Jets have been getting killed with quarterback runs to not have anybody 
you know, with eyes on, on the quarterback at all times. What do you feel about the prospect of using a, a spy on Jalen Hurts earlier? Do you think the Jets stick to their, their rush for ultra-aggressive defense and then just wait for the adjustments to come in the second quarter? Well, I think they should take after what they did against the Broncos. And Russell Wilson at this stage is obviously not Jalen Hurts, but we saw the effect it can have when they use a QB spy. They did it with Tony Adams. They had Bryce Huff do it a few times, which – I, I I like it. He did a pretty good job in that role, but I don't. He's so good as a pass rusher. I don't know if I want to waste snaps no. on that. Yeah. And he could just be getting down there, like maybe put these Johnson, Jermaine Johnson back there. Yeah, yeah. Or so McDonald's. maybe not Bryce off, but they they could do some more like three safety stuff. Put Adrian Amos down there. Tony Adams, like I said, was down there in that first third down. Um, they had success with it, and it worked. And the reason it worked is because they covered well enough to you know to be able to force the quarterback into not having options, even with the QB spy there. Cause I think that's why teams don't want to use the QB spy because like he's kind of a waste until the quarterback scrambles. He's not right. pass rushing and he's also not covering anybody. Uh, I mean, like he's blocking part of the field, but he's not actually covering someone. So he's kind of a waste until the quarterback decides to move. So it really puts more pressure on, you know, both your coverage and your pass rush because it's a guy who could be helping one of those, but he's not doing either. But in the Denver game, we saw that the coverage, specifically the coverage, the pass rush had some moments, but more often than not, it was the coverage being really good that was shutting the passing game down. Coverage was good enough to uh, force some of those scrambles. And, you know, the Broncos aren't a good team, but they do have some good receivers with Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. And Russell Wilson has thrown the ball better than he did last year. He's had a decent season throwing the ball. And the coverage was up to it, even without DJ Reed. And against his Eagles team, I think A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith are a step up from that for sure. Jalen Hurts is a step up. But um, you have D.J. Reed back, hopefully. It looks like it's trending that way. And I, I think you have the talent to hang with these guys in coverage and be able to live with someone assigned to Jalen Hurts. So I would like to see them experiment with that. Do you anticipate going, giving some man looks and trusting Sauce on Brown and, and Reed on, uh, on Devontae? Yeah, I think so. I think that goes hand in hand with some of the QB spy stuff. I mean, like like they did against Denver. Some of it was like cover one man with the QB spy down there, just straight up four man rush. Maybe you throw some blitzes in there because that that's another thing to take away from the Denver game. With Quincy those blitzes with Quincy late in the game, yeah, where they you know pulled it out. And that's not to say maybe it'll be a you know big time thing going forward because I think part of the reason it worked is because it was well timed and surprising. Yeah. Um, and I think they want to stick to that. So they, maybe they tried it against Dallas game. early, and I, I yeah. hated it. <laughs> I remember and not it, liking it. It didn't Dallas. work. So I, I don't know if the, that's their thing, but the QB spy the adjustment with right. some man coverage behind that, trust your guys to win on the outside because that's the strength of this defense right now. Pass rush is taking a little bit of a step back. They're trying to find their footing compared to last year, but the corners, they're still on the same level they were last year. So that's the, the strength of this defense. So rely on those guys to win in man coverage and use that advantage to do other things to stop the strengths of the Eagles. And in the, in the case of this team, it's a quarterback who can really use his legs. So and, account for that. Don't just let him go off. And this offensive line, which is right. the best in football. Cam Jurgens on IR, though. They have Sua Opeta starting at right guard. I'm not going to pretend to know too much about, about Sua. Uh, what do you make of this offensive line? I mean, obviously, best in football. Four of the five are bona fide stars. 
But is there a weakness there at right guard with with uh, with Sua going up against probably Quentin Jefferson most of the game? Maybe some maybe some JFM. Yeah, I, I mean, like like we said going into the season, I think we said this last year a bit too. You mentioned it earlier in this podcast. I think we both agree that the teams the Jets match up the worst against are teams that have the offensive line to neutralize this pass rush, which, as you said, not a lot of teams out there because it is a good defensive line. Um, you know, Like I said, not the greatest start this year, but I think they'll find their footing. It's just too talented of a group to not get back into that top five of all the pass rushing categories. But, uh, yeah, if you have the offensive line to shut this defensive line down, that's when you're going to have success against this Jets defense. Uh, we saw it in the Cowboys game. That's one of the better offensive lines this year. Um, and then you look back to last year, some of the games they didn't play too well uh, defensively. Offensive lines were a part of that too. So uh, especially Cleveland, that was the most points they gave up last year, 30. Cleveland had a great offensive line last year. Uh, so, yeah, I think that good offensive line play, I mean, it always correlates with good offense, but especially against a good pass, a team that relies on its pass rush like the Jets. So uh, tough no, matchup. It's definitely still one of the probably the best offensive line in the league, even with the injury. But um, yeah. You know, what's interesting though, is I don't feel, especially against Denver. I mean, Russell Wilson had uh, a lot of time to throw. It felt like, and I don't know if that was just him buying time, but it did feel like the Jets pass rush wasn't necessarily closing as fast. I mean, obviously in the second half, they, they really yeah. got after it, but it doesn't feel like this pass rush has necessarily been dominant. It feels like the coverage has really been what's been dominant for this right. Jets defense. Yeah. And it's been forcing quarterbacks to hold onto the ball like against Casey and like against Denver. And so this offensive line is so good. I don't know if I would waste many reps blitzing. I think that was what was frustrating me against Dallas is that their offensive line's good and their quarterback's good. They pick up those blitzes. Yeah, and all you've point. done is you've kind of made it easier for the quarterback because you have less guys back there. It's easier for him to go through his process. But if the Jets stick with their rushing four, okay, yeah, they're not going to get home in three seconds against this offensive line most likely. But offensive line can only hold up for so long. So there might be some of those plays where – Hurts is back there for four or five, and you're screaming, get him, and they just can't get after him. And those <laughs> plays might be frustrating. Whole game. Oh, I, I, definitely. Maybe that's every single Come time. On! Like, the number of times I say, get him. Yes, no, it's game. every time. Oh, my but, God. But because the secondary is so good, and look, the Eagles have the weapons to take advantage of it deep, absolutely. But I, I think I would trust this four-man pass rush. The real question for me is just the spot. I mean, that's the thing that will be most frustrating is every time Hurts takes off. And you're like, oh, come on. How do they get the third and 15? You know, and it just hurts taking off. Um, that's really what's, what's going to piss me off. But because this Eagles offensive line is so good, I would almost just recognize that as a weakness. Stick to your four-man rush. Hell, even sometimes have the three-man rush with a spy. Play coverage. Play your game. Force hurts to pick you apart as a quarterback. And I think that's their best path uh, to winning. What are some matchups, though, that, that stand out to you? I mean, I know we talked a little bit about the offensive line. We didn't really get into the individual matchups on the O-line, so I don't know if you have anyone that – you're keeping your eye out for obviously the the big heavyweight fight between Quinn Williams and Jason Kelsey. I imagine Landon Dickerson will be involved in that as well. Um, but what are some matchups on the defensive side of the ball that that kind of stand out to you in terms of deciding this this one for the Jets? Well, first of all, I, I like what you said about the philosophy of blitzing against a good offensive line because if the blitzes are going to the worst thing you could do as a defense, the most disadvantageous position you could be in is when you blitz yeah, okay. and it's I, I was i was like going through it slowly because i wasn't sure like is this That's advantageous a word disadvantage yeah all right yeah okay there we go disadvantageous the most disadvantageous 
position you could be in as a defense is an unsuccessful blitz because you've you know sent more people at the quarterback in hopes of increasing your chances of getting pressure, but you didn't. So now he's clean and there are fewer yeah. guys in coverage because you blitz. So that's the worst position right. you could be in. So if the Eagles offensive line is going to pick up the blitzes, then you might as well just stay back and just let them beat three or four guys in the pass rush. And, you know, instead of blitzing, keep those guys back in coverage. So maybe they test the waters early, especially because of the, you know, Quincy blitzing success. Like they found maybe something that works there. Like these are new Michael. See, yeah, yeah. I mean, he looks like him sometimes. I mean, that the way he poked that ball out Ooh. from Russ was, yeah, was crazy. Just the Stephen got the, the speed, the sleight of hand with that. I didn't it's realize he used speed. to play nickel corner in college. Did yeah, I, I didn't even, it, I didn't know that. I, I would believe it though. Looking Makes at sense, his yeah. body type and the way he moves, kind of fits to that. But yeah, so maybe they test test it a little bit early, see if they can get something going there. But if it doesn't work, I would not be afraid to just place off the entire game, stick with four, maybe even three sometimes, and just have that spy there, try to win straight up, and just put as many guys back in coverage as you can. Because if you're not going to create pressure with blitzing, it's a waste of time, and they're going to punish you. Especially a mobile quarterback can punish blitzes if he is you know, able to recognize it and find those holes, which Jalen Hurts is a really smart quarterback, one of the, most, one of the smartest quarterbacks in the league right now, I think. So he is definitely going to be able to spot that and find those lanes to exploit the blitzing and the man coverage if that's what you do. So test it a little bit early, but I, I would be okay with a soft game plan here and just try to win with the straight-up coverage, the straight-up pass rush, which against a team like this, it's going to be tough with the talent they have, but it might be the, a better shot than playing right into their hands and you know giving yourself a worse numbers game in the back end. But uh, looking at some of the matchups, Q against... Uh, Landon Dickerson is going to be pretty great um, because, you know, Q's plays most of his snaps on the right side. So we'll see the left guard most of the time. Landon Dickerson is up there. He's one of the better guards in the league. He's developed quickly. Then Bryce Huff against these tackles, whichever side he plays, because they have been moving Huff more too, in addition to playing him more snaps. I still think he's mostly a left side guy going against the right tackle. That's who he had his sack against last week. But, um, whether it's Mylotta or Lane Johnson, two very skilled tackles. Mylotta, obviously, with amazing size to his game. Johnson is just a great technician. One of the best in terms of like snap timing. Like what Jawan Taylor does, he's, he, was, he was kind of cheating at the beginning of the season, and they clamped down on it a little bit, a little bit too early. It was obvious, but Lane Johnson is the king of that snap timing, but doing it in a legal way. So I think that makes him a really good matchup against a guy like Huff, who himself is one of the best at having a quick get-off, exploding off the line of scrimmage. So whenever Lane Johnson goes against Huff, you're going to see two guys who get off the line of scrimmage extremely fast. It's going to be a really good matchup, fun to watch. Um, so I think Lane Johnson is well-equipped to stop Bryce Huff. Um, but against Mylotta, a great, great player, obviously. They're both great, and they stop everybody. But maybe that's a better matchup for Huff because he can get underneath him, use some of that speed maybe turn the corner, but that length can also be a great counter to his speed guy. So they got the tackles to counter Bryce Huff. Very excited to see how Huff does against those guys. Um, so really across this whole offensive line, you got great matchups, but like you said, they do have one backup in there with Opeta and he's been Opeta Opeta. I don't know. Don't quote me. I haven't <laughs> looked it up or heard anyone say it. I just read it. 
Um, but anyway, he's in there as a backup at right guard. That's where Quentin Jefferson's got to make some noise. Um, Quentin's been a solid pass rusher this year. I think he's he, he's been good. He's been what I think they wanted him to be, a really solid number two next to Quentin Williams, the kind of the, the Robin to Quentin Williams Batman, and just bringing a good pass rush juice. His run defense hasn't been terrible, and he's been explosive as a pass rusher. So he's going to draw the backup for the majority of this game, and he's got to make some plays because that's the one hole you could, you can look at and say, okay, there's a guy you could – exploit uh and, right. and he's been pretty good from what i've read but but uh still a backup who hasn't played a lot so you would like to see quentin be the guy who takes advantage of that matchup all right let's get into some of the predictions from this game actually sorry where are the jets better let's go through each position group and michael i'm gonna need your help in this doc my computer is everywhere frozen and fortunately frozen again so i can't uh edit anything in this doc but let's start i'll do it off the top of my head quarterback Obviously, Jets are better. I can mark that one down. Um, running back. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Eagles running or Eagles quarterback. Safe to say. Running back, I would give to the Jets. Although DeAndre Swift is my fantasy running back. He's been pretty good for me this year. In terms of running game, I might give the advantage to the Eagles. But pure running backs, I think the Eagles would trade for Brees Hall. I think they would swap uh, DeAndre Swift for Brees Hall if they could. So Jets get running back. Eagles get quarterback. Which Receiver. teams wouldn't swap their running back for Brees Hall, do you think? Um, Only one that comes to mind is Falcons. McCaffrey. Sam and and that, that's a good one. I'd, I'd put McCaffrey in there, too, just because of the certainty of McCaffrey. But, I mean, you could even argue long-term Hall might be better just because he's younger. I could, uh, Brees you seems, have? seems like a 49er, honestly. He seems like the classic, like, Shanahan running back. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, you can put San Francisco in there. I I would say maybe Bijan because of yeah, you know, first round billing. He he's been awesome. Doesn't isn't coming I mean, off. I'm not saying he's better necessarily because I think Brees can be can be as good. But like you said, coming off torn ACL, I think Falcons would keep him. But other than that, I mean, who do you think would take their running back over Brees? I don't know if there's anyone else. Dolphins Dolphins fans would sound like they would take Achan. <laughs> That is true. I mean, you have a guy dropping what is he like twelve yards a carry, which is pretty absurd. It's just, it's just if he keeps doing that, by all means. But like, it's, it's only been a few games, so I want to see it for more. But um, yeah, I'm going through. I, I think I guess they would stick with him. But uh, I don't know. Brees is, Jets Brees should, is up Jets there. He's really win special. This pretty much every week, just because of Brees, he's pretty special. Dalvin Cook wastes you. But they do play the Falcons, so that will be interesting to see when they get to that point. That's true. Uh, all right, receiver, I would also give the Eagles. A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith doesn't yep. get much better than that one-two punch. Uh, tight end. Goddard is pretty good. Goddard. Sneakily, I kind of want to give the Jets this. I feel like their room as a whole between – I'll throw Uzama in there. But really, Ruckert and Conklin, I think, is it's definitely the best Jets tight end room since I've been watching them. I would say this surpasses the Dustin Keller, Ben Hartsock era of my fandom. I'd give the Jets the edge here, but uh, Goddard is the Eagles don't really have the, the depth to the, it. Yeah. Jack Stoll, but he's just he's just a blocker. He doesn't contribute as a receiver. Um, probably say the same about I mean, Ruckert. He's almost kind of a minus. That's true. Ruckert, if they use him more, I would love to, you know, pump up the tandem. But they just don't use him enough. I mean, Dallas Goddard's pretty good. I don't know. Yeah, okay. Well, I was, I was trying there, to be optimistic. Right? All right, all right. I just I have a feeling we're about to face a murderer's push. row here. It's the trenches. Yeah, I guess push. Jets' depth is better. Would you Would you rather have Goddard or Conklin? 
That's what it really comes down to. Probably, I mean, probably. I, I don't want to let the bias get in the way because I've watched more Conklin. Like I can't say like I've watched Goddard, but like being real, you have to say Goddard. Just he has yeah. better production, bigger contract. You know. Yeah, so I would say push for tight end. All right. Um, Jets depth. So, the so far, Jets running back, Eagles quarterback, receiver, tight end push, offensive line, clean sweep, interior, and tackle to the Eagles. Yep. Defensive lines where it gets interesting, but I, the defensive line is really fascinating, honestly. I mean, I think the interior, you're going to have to go with the Eagles just yeah. because of the, I mean, Fletcher Cox, Jordan Davis, I mean, and Jalen Carter, I mean, Cox, Jordan Davis, and Jalen Carter. That's the best <laughs> in the league. That's the best in football. So Eagles get interior defensive line, which is normally a shoe in for the Jets just because of Quinnen. And then you get to the edge, and it's like, okay, we got JFM, we got Huff, McDonald, Lawson if he plays, Jermaine Johnson. I would take that edge unit over. It's tough because Reddick is so good. But I, I think know. I would Redick take that. and Josh Sweat both had double-digit sacks last year. Ah, Reddick right, does it every year. All right, fine. All right, all right. I was trying to talk myself into it. It's close. Both these teams have awesome defensive lines. This is a Jets great are about game to make some noise, here. though. It's a blowout right now, but I think the Jets are about to take the rest of it here. Corner, all right. Jets. All right. All right, here we go. Safety. Corner, Jets. Jets. Safety, Jets. We're giving the Jets a safety. I'm giving Jets the safety. All right. Guys. Digging into the numbers today, Eagles safeties not getting it done without linebacker Gardner Johnson with, with linebacker Jets. Jets. Jets, I think, are clearing a lot of teams in linebacker. We had doubts about linebacker coming into the season. Mosley's age, Quincy is, you know, improved season last year, but you know, I don't think he would say he was great. But now, this this duo is up there with anybody. So, I'm giving all three of those to the Jets. And are we doing special teams? I can't, special teams, I, think, watched, I can't pretend to have watched the Eagles special teams. Didn't study no, film of the Eagles. Who's their kicker? I watched Jake a little Elliott. bit of their offense and their defense. I did not watch the oh, Jake Elliott, 16 for 17. I think their I think punter is one of uh, Sipos. Oh, they they Braden. I would take, I take more. I didn't even know that. They have Braden, man. Oh, well. Pfft. Jets special Braden teams. Man All right, played three games for them this year. Okay, so final tally, the Jets get five position groups and counting special teams, running back, corner, safety, linebacker, special teams. Eagles get six, quarterback, receiver, the entire offensive line, defensive line, and edge. And we pushed a tight end. Eagles definitely had the advantage. Um, pretty clear in this one. But, hey, Jets have played the best two teams in their schedule incredibly. T- I, I would say the – the Bills and Chiefs are the best two teams, unless you want to throw the Cowboys in there, although they looked pretty human on Sunday Night Football last week. They played both those teams well, beat the Bills, should have had a chance to beat the Chiefs. We'll see uh, how they handle the Eagles. Uh, Michael, last week we, we've been choosing our Jets X-Factors every week just to be corny. Last week, Michael, you chose Garrett Wilson, and I chose Tyler Conklin. I'm not sure either of those guys were necessarily the X-Factor, although – Conklin did make that that big play. I thought it was a good Michael, pick. I, I think you actually did know that. All right, I'll take it. He was kind of the X factor. Um, all right. Uh, this week, who is the Jets X factor for this matchup? We we stay away from the quarterbacks usually. So I'm going to steal yours from last game. I'm going Tyler oh. Conklin. Wow. I've talked a lot about him in this podcast. I think that matchup is the Jets' best chance of getting something going. They're their tight ends against that Eagles middle of the field coverage. I think that's where the Jets are going to do damage in this game. And Conklin's really 
coming on in this offense, showing what he could do with some route running opportunities. I think Jets are going to want to expand on that. This team is exploitable against tight ends. I really think if the Jets are going to win this game, they're going to have to put up points, and tight end is going to have to be a part of that. So I, I really think if they win, Conklin is going to be a huge piece of it. There's a few that I could go with here. The obvious one is Max Mitchell. That's who I was about to put, but I'm not going to use him just because I think he's a little obvious. But Max Mitchell is a huge X factor for this game and definitely the guy that I'll be keeping my eye out for. But in terms of pure X factors, I'm going to go Jermaine Johnson. Nice. You like that answer? I like that. Jermaine Johnson, I think – look, I think the Jets pass rush is going to have to – to win some reps here. And I think Johnson, you know, you, you saw it last year when he's a rookie against Josh Allen, chasing him down and, and bringing him down. Johnson yeah. is a guy that they use on stunts, that they can use as a QB spy to uh, hold up the integrity of the pocket. He plays an integral role in this rush. And I just think if he's getting do- – he's great in the run game. This is a game where the Eagles, like we said, those trap plays, those draw plays, quick screens, they're going to take advantage of this over-aggressive Jets defensive line and I think Johnson needs to have maybe his best game as a Jet if the Jets are going to sniff any of that stuff out. Uh, so I'll put him down. I just feel like he's a guy who could have a big – you know, they're, they're, I almost put Bryce Huff, Bryce the Bugatti Huff, um, but I, I think you laid it out that Lane Johnson is a pretty tough matchup for him. I think Johnson on the other side is is really a, an integral key to this Jets defense. they got to get some sacks. they got to get some turnovers. I mean, it's the case every week, but especially this week, Johnson – just not not biting too hard on anything is, is going to be a, a, a big key for them. Um, before we get into some random predictions, who are the inactives this week? I mean, the obvious ones, uh, I mean, assuming Cook is active, Abanacanda, Brownlee, Zaire Barnes, those have been pretty consistent. Now you have two other spots, but then if there are injuries, uh, you have to account for those as well. Uh, so I'll say... Let's say like Eccles. Eccles and Hardy are going to be out, right? Let's say Eccles. We'll see about Hardy. Eccles seems pretty, pretty. We can assume he's going to be out, and Hall will take his place. Okay, that's fine. Uh, yeah. I mean, let's say for simple. What's Hardy out with? I'd have to check it again. Let me look at the Jets injury report. Um, all right. For simplicity's sake, let's say Justin Hardy's out. Okay. So let's say Hardy's out. That's five. Um, they, they'd probably bring somebody up from the practice squad. See, it makes it hard if Hardy's out. Carl, I don't know. I, I guess that's okay. what I was going to ask. That's really what I was trying to get to is where, where do we think – You know, is Hardman going to be inactive? Is Carl Lawson or Will McDonald? This is kind of one of those matches where you could make McDonald inactive, although maybe you prioritize his speed against a guy like Hurts to, to do some spy packages on. That was really all I was trying to get to. I mean, it, it's it's hard to to know recording this on Thursday without seeing who the Jets elevate from their practice squad. But where do you feel in terms of the defensive line? Usually, one guy between Lawson, Woods, and 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 uh, McDonald has been inactive through every single game. I'm pretty confident it's not going to be Woods this week with the tush push. I think Woods is an integral part of stopping that. Um, but if it's not uh, Woods, do you think it's Lawson or McDonald? And then on the offensive side of the ball, any chance Harbin's inactive again? Especially if Hardy can't go. Uh, I think I think Lawson would be the guy. I think they want to start getting Will McDonald involved, and Lawson maybe isn't a hundred percent quite yet. I know he's not on the injury report he or says anything, he is. but 
it didn't really seem like he's at 100%. Maybe it'll be Hardman, especially with you know a little more drama this week. Um, I don't know. It's tough to, to make that call. If it were to be one of those guys, who do you lean towards? It's tough without seeing their defensive packages. I almost want to say McDonald. But the only reason I wouldn't say McDonald is I like actually that. is a low key good pick because I think against the Eagles run game, you really want that edge integrity. And that's something right. that McDonald has struggled with a little bit. So I could see that. The only, the only pat role so, for Will McDonald, the only role for Will McDonald that is intriguing in this game is if you have him spy hurts a little bit, you know, take advantage of his speed, his yeah. length and his athleticism. But I think, you know, Lawson was saying last week, how he's finally starting to feel healthy again. He was the healthy scratch last week. He's better in the run game than McDonald than McDonald is, so I know it'll cause an uproar. I know we criticized it week two. I'll, I'll go Will McDonald if if so. Um, you know, we'll see. I would I would get Hardman active, and I would I would keep hard I would get Hardman active, and I would give him some reps. Try to you know he's motivated right now to, to prove everybody wrong. All right, Michael. Random predictions. Uh, last week you had two Brees Hall touchdowns, which honestly you weren't too far off of. He probably could have had that. He got shoestring tackle in a couple. He had Sauce first INT. Sauce did have a great also, game. Also, there was a close play on that. There was a close play on that. I had two Lazard touchdowns. I was off on that. And I had Jets six sacks, which I think I was close. They, they had four, four sacks? Five sacks? I had four. I, so. I, I thought the Jets were going to have their most sacks of the season on Sunday. I was wrong about that. So my random predictions were off. So, Michael, I'll go to you first then. One offensive one defensive. Let's hear your round of prediction for this Sunday. I'm going to say Garrett Wilson has his breakout game. He's going to get over 100 and at least a touchdown. And defensively, I'm going to say Michael Carter II has two takeaways in this game. Wow. Two takeaways for MC2. That's a bold prediction. He's overdue. He's been having a bunch of them taken back. Hmm. I'm going to go random prediction. Xavier Gibson touchdown. Okay. On a, I'm not going to call it, but maybe an end around, something like that. I think I feel Gibson TD. And how about this? You ready for this one? Clemens sack. Ooh. Like that play? Michael Clemens sack. All right, those are my two random predictions. And then lastly, Michael, score prediction. You and I both predicted a win last week. We were both correct. That puts you at 4-1 and one in the year. I'm 3-2. Don't ask me why I predicted a win against the Cowboys. Uh, I'll go to you for Last week you had the Jets winning 31-27. Close game. I had the Jets winning 30-13, to 13, which actually wasn't too far off. Didn't the Jets have 30 points? We were, we were both pretty close. They had 31, so I nailed their oh. score. Nice. All right. Uh, so I'll go to you little, first. Two bullish on the is, Broncos, but – you're both correct about a multi-score 30-plus point performance in a win. So then what is the score for this week, Michael? Are you going to pick the upset? Will the Jets beat the Eagles for the first time in team history? Do you want to go first? Do you want to go first? I'm curious what you say. I'm go ahead. Go first. I'm contemplating. I'm contemplating as well. <laughs> uh, I'm going back and forth on this. I have a four and one. I'm, gonna predict, I'm going to here. predict an eagle. I'm going to predict an Eagles win. Okay, I'm going to predict an Eagles win. There's okay. there's a small voice in my head that's reaching out to me and saying, "No, Ben, the Jets <laughs> are going to upset." 
This is the game. They'll get to three and three at the bye. This is their Bills game from last year. Nobody's picking them. This is the big upset of the week. The Jets beat the Eagles. But for safety's sake, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the Eagles. Last year I picked the, the Bills to beat the Jets, and then the Jets won. So I'm gonna go Eagles. I think I think their offense, I think the Jets defense is gonna struggle a little bit. And then defense, their defense will create a few takeaways. Jets maybe, maybe Zach Wilson looks all right again. But they'll go into the bye two and four. I'll say the Eagles beat the Jets. Uh, 31-17. Okay. Wow. Wow. For someone who is contemplating, that is a little lopsided. Well, these things mean nothing. So might as well get as might as well prepare for the worst and then be happy if the best happens. That's 31 true. 17. All right. I, I, you know what? I'll go 27 17. How about that? I'll, I'll lower it a little bit. 27 17. Well, that voice in your head that was trying to whisper to you, he's, I, I hear him as well. Oh, he's made his way over to me. And oh, I, we, we've been having a conversation, and oh. there's good points have been made on both sides. But I, I tried to make my case, but he, he he's wrote me in, and I'm going to go Jets in this game. Really? It's a high scoring. Jets win. I'm going to say Jets 33. Right. Oh, Eagles 27. 33 20. I could see the Jets deal in this game. I felt similarly about the, the Chiefs game, but I think the Eagles are a tougher matchup than the Chiefs. We'll see. This is a golden opportunity for them. Back to back good games for the offense. They're at home. They've never beaten this team. An opportunity to go three and three, entering the bye. The Eagles might be overlooking the Jets a little bit because they got Zach Wilson. They should win this game. But the Eagles have been in some close games recently and have just pulled it off at the end. I could see the Jets stealing one. It wouldn't shock me. Man, that would be a fun podcast to do post-Eagles victory. But I'll I'll play it safe, call an Eagles win. Michael, I like you getting bold here. Um, All right. That'll do it for us. Follow us at CYJPod on Twitter. Michael, Michael underscore Nania. Myself, Ben W. Blessington. Go to JetsXFactor.com. Best place to go for Jets content. Check out all the other Jets X Factor podcasts. Um, subscribe to the Jets X Factor YouTube. We post all the pods up there. Please rate if you subscribe on iTunes if you can. That helps out the podcast a ton. That'll do it for us. Michael, last thoughts. Uh, I was looking at Garrett Wilson's pro football reference page, and they list nicknames for players if they have them. And for Garrett okay. Wilson, they have a nickname on here. I, I've never heard him called this in my life. Maybe. Maybe once or twice, but you let me know if you've heard Garrett Wilson called Gumby before. Have you heard that? Yeah, they just called him that on uh, the broadcast. It's not his nickname. Oh, they but, did? Uh, who just called him that? Well, maybe that's why they Was put it Was it Collinsworth? Collinsworth said it. Collinsworth. He's like Gumby to me, man. Oh, yeah. I call him Gumby. I get, because I never so recognized that before. Maybe they just put it on there because Collinsworth yeah. said it. Well, he's so flexible. He kind of is like Gumby. But I, I feel like that's just a term used for any receiver with that trait. Uh, he's, I feel like Garrett is – I could get behind Gumby. Garrett Gumby Wilson. Wilson. <laughs> yes, Garrett Gumby, Gumby Wilson. Wilson. Uh, what do you make about the Jets? Like green, Jets? What do you think? Green jerseys? It seems like we're going to wear green jerseys. They're wearing green at practice, which is – whatever the offense wears is the color the Jets wear in, in, during the game. See if it's green on white or green on green. It's tough playing another green team to have a, a good uni matchup. I think I'd I mean, probably, probably green, green on white. white against the Eagles, all white and Philly looked pretty good in the preseason last year. Um, I think that would be a good matchup, but I, yeah. this is a bold take here. You, you had a bold take. You think maybe green on green is in play. 
but I'm, I'm going to go even bolder. What if they what if they go green on black? You know, like we know no. these new uniforms probably are going to be out the door next year. So just play with everything you haven't played with yet. Except I know they can't do the black on white and the black on green because only one black game coming and it's going to be all black. Um, but you can do green on black. That's one combo we haven't seen yet. So maybe maybe they pull it out. I don't know. Mm. I don't think that would look that good. What do you went I bold think, with white on black when no one was considering that a couple years ago? I did already plan that. That was going to be the uh, yeah. That was the Colts be. game. You thought that was planned? Yes. Maybe not exactly for the Colts game, but when they no, launched you, these uniforms, you are the one who made them do it. Remember, you put it out and you're like, "Let's do white on black this week." And then Woody's I forgot like, about that. Yeah, no, I think it. I think I think when they announce the uniforms, they have that combo, but they save it. I, you notice a lot of teams do this just so they can generate some murmur and some buzz. And year two or year three of a specific uniform, just to create like a new look. I'm pretty sure. Right. I'm pretty sure when they, they looked at it, when they were announcing it, like once we did the white jersey and the black. All right, getting off the rails. Think what, what's listening. your official prediction? You think just simple green on white? Yeah, green and white against white and white. First time. I'm going bold. Green on black is coming out. No, it's not. Get out of here. Uh, first time we get Zach Wilson green and white game at home in the regular season in his entire career, year three. That's true. Wow. First green and white game at home since that terrible Dolphins game with Joe Flacco in 2021. Don't remind me of that. Completely forgot about that game. <laughs> uh, everybody, have a great week, weekend. Uh, we'll be back Sunday night, Monday morning, recapping this game. Hopefully it's a big upset. That would be a fun podcast to do. Another late game, unfortunately, but – so those who are going to have fun, the tailgates on the late games are pretty fun. Um, yeah, everybody have a great weekend. Go Jets.